Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits and how through their passion they are moving the culture forward be sure to follow verbally effective and ina esco on instagram also download the verbally effective podcast on soundcloud itunes and google play music don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. breaking news out of over thousands of applicants the verbally effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. It's Al Pickett, the founder of The Black Print, where I help people win in a brave new world uh, through the financial markets, teaching them how to profit consistently um, through all the financial markets. And I'm here with Verbally Effective and Ina Esco. Hey, it's your girl Shana J with SJ Entertainment, here to fulfill all of your entertainment needs. And I'm with my girl Ina Esco. With the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hi, I'm Jay Henderson, and I am Verbally Effective because through my company, Put It In Writing, Professional Writing Service, and PR, I help individuals and businesses tell the world why they're so wonderful and why the public, that means you, should patronize them. Our motto is, we write the words you want to say. Jay Henderson is no stranger to the written word. As president of Put It In Writing Professional Writing Service and PR, she spearheads the PR and social media for several businesses and nonprofits. Also a freelance writer, her articles have been featured in various local publications and she routinely shares her thoughts about issues affecting women on her motivational blog, www.imagoodwoman.com. The former radio on-air personality has used her stellar way with words to compose attention-grabbing content for entertainers such as MC Light, Melanie Fiona, DJ Quick, T-Pain, Kiki Wyatt, Tom Joyner, Mr. Dale, Shamar Moore, Elise Neal, and E-40. Jay is also an accomplished author and has currently published eight books, which include her Someday Trilogy, Things Every Good Woman Should Know 1 and 2, Husband Wanted, and Where Do We Go From Here, 1 and 2, and From Here to There, where she co-authored with Mario D. King. Each summer, the Native Memphian hosts the Little Writers Workshop, where she uses her expertise to instruct youth ages 7 through 12 on the fundamentals of crafting a good story. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. And I am hanging out with one of my radio sisters. I've been knowing her for a very long time. She has created her own professional writing service and PR company. I am talking about none other than Jay Henderson. Hey, lady. Hey, Ina. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I know we've been trying to get the schedule right. We finally got it right, but we about to get out in your business, girl. So you can, <laughs> you know, talk about your journey. Because when I first met you, it was a clear channel yeah. years ago. Very long time ago. 
we were on Union Avenue. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago that was. But even back then, when I think about it, like you had your own show on K97, um, On Point. Yeah, the Teen Talk Show, On Point. Do you miss Jeff On Point? Lee. You know, no. You don't miss On Point. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I missed the talk show, but I aged out of On Point. I did. Yeah. You know, that was for youth and young adults. I had a, a group of teenagers that I met with once a month so they could tell me what was going on in mm-hmm. their life. And I realized after a while, I'm just I'm just so far removed yeah. <laughs> from that demographic. Yeah. So um, I missed the talk show portion. Yeah. 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 Because y'all used to talk about some hot topics. Yes. Um, I mean, these young people, or even back then, <laughs> were going through so much things that I, I had no idea about. So it was yeah. really good to have them on the show and to talk to them and get directly from them right? what was going on. And just think, if you were doing On Point today, social media would be such a big, a, a big portion of what you guys talk about. Yeah, it, it would be huge. I know. <laughs> it didn't even exist back then. And you saying they had so many issues. Mm-hmm. Baby, social media has tripled them, tripled them. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. What part of Memphis are you from? I am from, ooh, good question. I guess you could say I'm from um, North Memphis. North Memphis. Yeah, I guess you could say that. You like know, what I, area? Well, I, I, you, you know, it's a little <laughs> further down, but I always used to go ahead and claim North Memphis. Mm-hmm. I was close to Mitchell Heights, but okay. I grew up in this little neighborhood they called Atlantic, which is no longer Atlantic. around. I yeah, that, I never heard uh, of Atlantic. That was the name of the properties. Okay. The, they, they, it was called Atlantic. It was this circle of houses, um, and, and so everybody just called that, that area Atlantic. Wow. So how was it growing up in the Atlantic area <laughs> in North North? Um, it was it was different for me because you have to realize I left Memphis in the fourth grade. And I had lived in Millington prior to okay, that. Okay, so we got a lot in common with My that. family uh, moved to Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And then I came back to Memphis in the seventh grade. Gotcha. Yeah, and it was it was really different for me. Mm-hmm. Um I um and it wasn't different in a bad way. It was just an adjustment. Yeah. So, and then I grew up in a very strict household. My mother really? did not play. No, she didn't play. Were <laughs> you the only all. child? And I was her only child. Ooh, they don't play with only child. <laughs> I, I hear. And, and so, um, and, and so, a lot of things that my peers could do, I could not do. No. Oh, girl, I got stories for days. I had oh to be at God. home at ten on prom night. Oh, prom night, mama. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Honey, I just put my makeup on when she told me the time. I, I was trying not to mess it up. Because oh, she wow. didn't tell me till I was getting ready to walk out the door because she knew mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to have a fit. Now, why do you think your mom was so strict? I think she was just worried about something bad happening to me. I mean, I yeah. was a good kid. I really was. So it wasn't that she thought that I was going to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. I think she was just more so you might be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is there really out there for a teenager to do at past 10 o'clock at night? Mm-hmm. Come home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What did your prom date think about that 10 o'clock oh. curfew? <laughs> he was like, what's she do that for? <laughs> You know, that's the night, baby, that you hang out. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was a group of us. So the group just dropped me off at home and kept going. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, what kind of activities were you involved in in high school? 
In high school, I was in a group called Pride. I don't know if you remember Pride. We were, um, I forgot what it stands for, but it was basically a drug, alcohol, bullying prevention group. And we would go to different schools, and we would learn these skits and dances and plays, and we would go to different schools and perform them. What? Yeah, in in hopes of of influencing other young people to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was... um, you know, honor society. I was class president when I graduated from high school. Oh, I was voted most president. likely to succeed. So I, I was a pretty active student. Got decent grades. I think I was third in my class. Wow. Yeah. So um, high school was, was a good time for me. Did you know what you wanted to do upon graduation? I thought I did. Back then, I wanted to be a lawyer, and I wanted to own a magazine. Okay. But once I realized how long you had to go to school to yeah. be a lawyer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that went out of the window. Maybe. Uh, but And although I did not start a magazine, I did focus on writing. I went into broadcast journalism. In Memphis. Uh, yes, in Memphis. So my focus yeah. really shifted. I wanted to be the next Claudia Barr. Okay. I did. Yeah. Um, I was going to do television news. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I wanted to go ahead and do start my internship. And my my um my advisor was like, no, you don't know enough. You haven't started your core classes, which is like editing and things like that. And he said, you don't know enough. They're just going to stick you on the phone. Mm. Well, I've never been a fan of the word no. Right. Uh, so I started um, calling <laughs> around, seeing if anybody could use me. And lo and behold, the people that said they had a place for me was over there at Clear Channel Radio. Clear Channel, baby. I started off as the producer for the What's On Your Mind line on WDIA with the Ooh, Davis Brothers. You remember James start. and yes. J. Michael? That's a good uh-huh. start. But lo and behold, guess what happened? What? They stuck me on the phone. Wow. <laughs> I, that's what the producer did. The producer answered the phone. It was a call-in mm-hmm. talk show. Mm-hmm. So the producer answered the phone. You know, what's what's on your mind, line? What's on your mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd screen mm-hmm. the calls before they ever got to the air. Oh, wow. But it, I can honestly say it was one of the greatest jobs that I ever had. J. Michael and James were absolutely fantastic. You know, J. Michael has passed, but mm-hmm. I learned so much from him about how to do radio, how to be engaging and entertaining and have fun with the callers and James taught me the 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 technical side of it the prep side getting your stories together having Mm -hmm. hot topics to talk about interviewing guests Mm -hmm. um so from there I went um I graduated from high school and they actually hired me full-time wow yeah I became the assistant director of community affairs Mm -hmm. and um and I was the liaison to the community when we did events in the community I assisted with those And it just kind of went from there. And at that point, when I became full-time, that's when they gave me the the privilege to do On Point. You know, wow. so they let you create on point. Yeah, they let me create on point. Jeff okay. Lee was my first co-host, and later on, it became world famous Kylan. Yeah. Um. So uh, and and we because at first they wanted I know they wanted me to pre-record it. But um, Bobby was like, if we're going to do it, Bobby being Bobby OJ, do it live. Mm-hmm. And so I had the opportunity to to develop a show that was strictly for youth and young adults. And there really hasn't been anything in the city like it since. No, um, um, I don't even think that they're aiming in that direction. Other people sadly. have tried it, but it didn't. It, it, yeah, I've seen it, but it, it doesn't seem to last. You know, that show mm-hmm. ran for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And when I left, Janine Gordon took it over. Oh, yeah, so, she did. so it had a it had a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. On point. I remember that, Jay. Yeah. Wow. Do you miss it? I some I miss talk shows. Mm-hmm. I love the art of interviewing mm-hmm. and delving into what makes people tick, mm-hmm. their likes, their dislikes, what they're what they're into. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really a talker, but I can get you to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a gift to be able to do that. It does. Everybody can't do it. It does. Wow. You know, I was just thinking, like, um, it seems like everything that you've been through that you've communicated so far has prepared you for your entrepreneurship and starting your business. So how did your PR aspirations come into play? Exactly. You are 100% right. Um, Because one of the blessed things about me being in radio, I knew both sides. I knew how to pitch to someone Mm -hmm. to make them want to have a guest on their show. I I know how to be what I call um, politely aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that when no, somebody says no, they can't come on my show. Uh, you need to respect that and yeah. stop. You, can, you can't badger someone into letting a guest be on their show. And just because they told you no now doesn't mean they'll tell you no later. That's true. And so those were those relationships that I had built um, because, you know, we all move in the same circles. If you're in radio, you know, people in TV, um, you all get to know each other. So they would answer my call sometimes before they would answer somebody else's call because they were familiar with me or we actually had a personal relationship. But the way I actually got into it, um, um, when I left radio, I went into marketing. I was hired by a company called Trust Marketing, which is owned by Howard and Beverly Robertson. Civil Rights Museum. Yes, yes. You know, she's now over at the uh, Memphis Chamber. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, they hired me, and um, that is where I got into PR. So they taught me um, the art of putting together uh, a campaign, branding, being grassroots, um, how to position people in front of a camera, uh, things like that. And so, but lo and behold, I'm sure you all remember at some point in time, the market tanked. Oh, eight. Yeah. The the market tanked and they politely told me, um, I don't think we have any more work for you right now. Um, And and, but the crazy thing is I started crying. You did. Did you really enjoy working there? I did. I had Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, It's I can I can honestly say I've had jobs where they want you to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. It's work, but they they want you to enjoy yourself. I was told when I got into radio, when it's not fun anymore, it's time for you to quit. Yeah. And so even with PR, even though you can have some very long nights, long days, demanding clients, Mm -hmm. because no day is the same. There's this excitement to it. No client is the same. I mean, I I get a rush out of seeing how many interviews I can book for a client. It's like a game to me now. I did three last time. Can I do five this time? What about eight? Can I get how many national interviews can I get? Those things excite me. Media relations is the part of, of PR that I really love. Media relations. Media relations. And so, um, and so I started crying. They kept me. <laughs> You cried your way into keeping your job. I cried my way into keeping my job. But over time, it it went to part-time. Okay. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I can do this. Um, I I started, you know, when when people tell you something like that, the the thing you start doing is figuring out how to survive on your own. So it got to the point where I was doing so much freelancing on the side where I was like, okay, if I go ahead and leave, I'm going to be okay. 
and I, and I was. Um, so I kept freelancing for a while. And then this nonprofit that I was freelancing for called Common Table Health Alliance, they created a position for me. Look how good um, I work. Amen. Amen. Mm. Renee Frazier, the um, former CEO, um, bless her heart. I love her to death. Um, once again, I'm put in a place where I'm I'm learning because I was not familiar with nonprofits. Um, so um, Beverly used to be, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Renee used to be one of the higher-ups um, for Blue Cross Blue Shield when she lived in Baltimore. And this was the legacy that she wanted to leave behind before she retired completely, which was helping build a nonprofit. So she was the first CEO that they hired, and it was her job to build it from the ground up. I mean, there there was nothing there as far as staff mm-hmm. and before she came. Uh, so she built this wonderful organization that still exists today. And you watched her do it. I watched her do it. I was by her side helping in any way that she asked me to help. And so that is how I got ushered into the wonderful world of PR because Unfortunately, all good things eventually come to an end. Actually, for me, it was tragedy. My mother passed. No. And being her only child, I took it rather hard. I I took it extremely hard. So I just went to Renee, and I was honest with her. I said, I'm not okay. I don't know when I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So I think it might be best if I leave. Wow. Um, Hindsight being 2020 was the dumbest things I ever did. Mm. (laughs) I had a great salary. And because Renee from was from Baltimore, where I mean, yeah, that's right, Baltimore, where they did things a little bit different. We only had a four day work week, and you let it go. <laughs> yes, and when my mom got sick, she let me drop it down to three, mm-hmm. because my mother ended up having to um, go on dialysis. Mm-hmm. So I was spending a lot of my time taking care of her, taking her back and forth to dialysis, and and I was blessed to have a, a boss that understood that. Mm-hmm. Because everybody and, would, would not have worked with you like that. Yes, that you're, you're right. There, there are plenty of people that would have been like, you know, we need somebody here more often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, but it is what it is. I mean, we talk about self-care yeah. and mental health now more than probably ever before. Definitely. It, it's okay to say you're not okay. These days when before you probably had to try to heal it, I mean, hide it. And, you know, there's a black people don't go to therapy. We go to church. Yeah. Well, well, we go to therapy now. We go to therapy. And we go to church. Now, did you go to therapy after um, your mom passed? Not at that time. When I ended up going to therapy, it was probably the first time that I went freelance and started okay. working for myself. Because I, I am single with no kids. And I did not realize the impact of spending all day by myself was having on me. Um, Tell me about it. It, it was depressing. Mm. Um, I was crying all the time, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dealing with some issues with my father that I that I never had um, bothered to address. Mm-hmm. And so when I um, so I finally um, I was actually working at FedEx at the time at night. I was I was you know doing whatever I had to do to survive. Yeah. Um, business was going okay. But still needed some extra income, still needed some benefits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had this thing where you could go to so many sessions for free. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I took advantage of it. Yeah. And that's when I, I found out more about mental health and depression and self-care. Yeah. 
Wow. You needed that, though. You needed that time off. I mean, everything happened for a reason, though. I agree. I mean, if they called me back. Um, common table called me back. Renee was retiring. Um, her assistant had left, and it didn't make sense to hire somebody and train them from the ground up when she was leaving. Yeah. Um, the committee, uh, the board was doing their search for the next CEO. So, because I'd actually moved to Nashville, I was thinking about moving. So I had went up there and stayed with a friend of mine to see, you know, to see the lay of the land and if that's where I wanted to be. And she gave me a call and said, would you come back and, and be my executive assistant? You know, wow. so not really in my wheelhouse, but I knew the company. Mm-hmm. And that's what she needed. She needed somebody that knew the company, what it was about, what we did. And so I ended up coming back to Memphis for that until she eventually went ahead and retired. Wow. And now you, you tell me a lot about her company and how she started this nonprofit. And that was your first time in a nonprofit. And, you know, we have so many nonprofits in the city of Memphis. Now, with you, when you first dove into the nonprofit industry, what were the immediate things that were different than like some of your previous, I guess, jobs? Like, what did you notice different immediately about a nonprofit? Okay, before I start, let me give a point of clarity. Uh, mm-hmm. Common Table was already in existence before okay. Renee came, um, but it was they just kind of had a board. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a staff, so she was the first CEO and it. created yeah the like the staff. Um, so the biggest thing, um, nonprofits have a you know because you have a board, you have a lot of people and a lot of opinions and a lot of people that you are accountable to. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the first things I recognized because, you know, I went from a small company that was owned by a husband and wife team. And basically they were the only people that had to approve anything. And then you go to a nonprofit where the CEO has to approve it. But bef- but she's also had to take it be- before the board and get their approval. Um, and not and it usually went pretty well. Um, but it's just, like I said, a a lot of opinions, a lot of different people and you have to, and you have to, there's a lot of networking and trying to make sure that all the people involved are happy and feel valued and, and have their opinion listened to because it, it, it mean, they wouldn't be on the board if you didn't want their expertise. Right. And not just that being the common table, um, it's an umbrella organization and it brings together a lot of health organizations in the city. So that's more people, um, more opinions. But once again, they're adding value because we're we're looking at things like food deserts. We're looking at breast cancer. We're looking at childhood obesity. And there are work groups around those things. So we're once again um, doing something that's never been done before where you have all the hospitals in the city working together where you have multiple nonprofits working together to find, um, yeah, Shelby County, um, health department was huge in a lot of what we were doing to find answers to health issues in Memphis and Shelby County. Yeah. And you said they're still rolling today. Still rolling. Wow. And they're still one of my clients. (laughs) Okay. Clients. Speaking of clients. So at this point you, you went back, but then I know you made the decision to put it all into your PR business, correct? Mm-hmm. So how did you take that leap? Uh, it was a necessity. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people I'm allergic to homelessness and hunger. <laughs> uh, because guess what? The new CEO, CEO came in. Oh, it was some changes. <laughs> and he politely told me that my services were no longer oh. needed. <laughs> but you were ready then. You was ready. 
I, I was. Yeah. I was. But once again, I'm in grind mode. I'm in survival mode. So that makes you more creative. It definitely does. It does. <laughs> that makes you network more. Mm-hmm. That makes you utilize your resources. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, all those things that I did were building me up for this moment. And I didn't even realize it. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the fact that I have a circle of people, a network of people mm-hmm. who who not who all who who help me, but they also like me. <laughs> okay. And want to see me succeed. And and it's those people that recommend me for jobs like when I started working with UN Moving and Storage and when I started working with um with with um Southern Heritage Classic. Mm-hmm. So the I mean, trust me, Fred Jones talked to several people Baby, about me when <laughs> before I he called you, me. <laughs> look, when I saw you uh that time I had went to the Tom Joyner uh Sky Show in Memphis and I saw that you were represented. I was so proud of you, Jay. Oh, I was thank like, oh, Jay is on the rise, baby. She got it going on. That's a huge client. It is, it is. And it is. it's I mean, it's been once again placed with somebody who can who can teach me. I mean, wow. one of the one of the elite promoters in the city. Mm-hmm. And he has a formula for everything. He knows exactly how he wants it done. And um, you know, and it's my job to get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so but he's also open to my ideas and opinions well, as well. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now tell me about some of your clients other than Fred Jones that you've worked with in this whole PR capacity. Oh, uh, well, like I stated earlier, Ewing Movement in Storage with uh Charles Ewing Senior, who is now over um, Memphis in May. Okay. Yes, okay, he's, he's, <laughs> he's the chair for Memphis in May right now. It's major. And so, you know, his company is one of the um one of the well, it was one of the first mm-hmm. African American owned relocation companies in the city. His company was the company that moved the Grizzlies, uh, when they were the Vancouver Grizzlies okay. to Memphis, Tennessee. Um, yeah, uh, he has a, a great relationship with the Nashville um, Predators. Um, he was the official mover for the them hockey. as well. Yeah, okay. yep, yep, the Hockey League. Wow. So um, working with him and his company has, has been a joy. Uh, once again, being able to learn uh, and network. And so I tell anybody, if you're moving, <laughs> right. call Mr. Ewing and tell him Jay Henderson sent you. Tell them Jay Henderson sent you. Yes, tell, tell wow. them I sent you. You might get a, a little bit of a discount. <laughs> a little something. Now, I don't know. I, well, I think our verbally effective audience, they definitely know that you are a writer, first and foremost, right? And Have you always been a writer? Um, yes, because in broadcast journalism, you have to know how to write. You know, that was my major. That's what I graduated with a degree in um, communications with emphasis in broadcast journalism. And then later on, I went and got my master's in English professional and technical writing. Oh, you ain't playing around, Um, Jay Henderson. Wow. So, um, so yeah, you do have to know how to write. Those reporters are reading something on that teleprompter Mm -hmm. that somebody wrote, whether it be themselves or somebody else in the station, which pretty much these days um, they wrote it themselves. Uh, So I've always been a a writer of sorts. But how I got into publishing books, I actually started in college. In college writing your first book? Yes, I was venting. I I was venting about dating. What? Yes, honey. (laughs) Yes. What was the name of your first book again? Someday. 
Okay, yeah. Someday. It's it was it's an inspirational romance, which is the edgier side of Christian fiction. Mm. And I, I was the good girl in college. And you know what happens in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, people start um, exploring. Yes, a lot of exploring. <laughs> uh, you know, some I, I remember somebody described as college campus can be a mini hotel. Yeah, girl, well, more than that. Well, well, I was a girl that was not going. You weren't going at all uh, in, in college. A little taste, a little something, something. Maybe when I got a boyfriend my senior year. Okay, <laughs> yep, yep, boyfriend, you know who you are. <laughs> So uh, I, I was not. I was truly not. I was planning on waiting to marriage so you could get away from me. Oh, I couldn't help God. you. Thank you very much. Look, someday. <laughs> someday. But someday. not today, boo-boo. Oh, how was it with Someday, your first book? I remember when you were promoting that book, Jay. How, how was that whole experience with that first book? It was fantastic. Um, I actually had several friends that put out books around that time, and it was just motivation for me. My good friend, who you know, Latrivia Welch, yes. um, she had put out her first book and started a publishing company. If you know Latrivia, she doesn't do anything on. small. No, she does not. So she saw how much somebody else was making off of her book and decided to start her own publishing mm-hmm. book c- company. And so she... she I gave her my manuscript, which was just maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 pages, 40 pages of me telling this story of, of a young lady in, who couldn't get any play, frustrated, just venting. And I sent it to her, and I said, if I finish this and put it into a book form, would you publish it? And she was like, I'd be happy Aww. to publish this. This is good. And so I, I just wrote. I sat down, and I wrote, and, and it ended up being so long that we split it into two books because the thing about publishing, the more pages you have, the more it costs to print. So when we sat down and looked the figures and how much it would cost me to print it and how much I'd have to sell the book for, I was like, Oh, it was like 20 something dollars. And that was expensive for a book. I was like, I'm going to price myself out. Mm -hmm. So I cut the book in half. And so someday ended up being someday, someday too. And I guess I just couldn't stop writing forever in a day. So it ended wow. up being a three-book series. Oh, you had a lot on your mind with that whole ideal <laughs> and concept of someday. And, and, you know, I had started it in college, but by the time I actually wrote the book, it came out in 2014. I was well into my career mm-hmm. and, and, and had been dating for a while. Mm-hmm. And so had some more experiences to talk about. Um, so especially from a Christian perspective, because the main characters were celibate. And so, um, and the thing that I I loved about the book is the number of women that started to tell me that I was telling their story. Mm. Um, my main character's name was T. And I had so many women saying, I am T. I am frustrated. Because the premise was you had this woman who had everything going for her. She was smart. She was beautiful. She was successful. She had the dream house. She had the dream car. But what's missing? Someone mm. to share it with. Mm. And she knew he was coming someday. Right. Uh, but when? And so in walks um, this fine, retired NFL player named Michael. <laughs> okay, Michael. <laughs> and, uh, and Michael just comes in and sweeps her off her feet. Mm. But Michael has an issue. Oh, Lord. Michael has a stalker. Oh, Lord. A relentless stalker (laughs) who believes that he should be hers and she is going to stop at nothing Mm -hmm. to get him. So the book takes an interesting twist where they're struggling to stay alive 
in order to stay together. And, of course, yeah. there's some other stuff along the way. She has these girlfriends who are just wonderful, but they all have their issues. One has been dating a married man and had a baby by him um, for, like, 10 years. She's been with this married man. And then there were the twins, Lenore and Lanice. Uh, one got married and had three children. She had a set of twins and another child. And she gained quite a bit of weight, and her husband was not attracted to her anymore. These are real deal issues yes, women face. Yes. And then there was the other twin who was still slim and trim and reminding him of what she looked like. Mm. Um, so, But that twin was a man hater. She mm. had had so many bad relationships with men. She thought all men were dogs and should be on leashes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, and, and so that, that's what the book centered around, women and their relationship issues and the decisions that we have to make while we're dating and we're waiting or looking or whatever you're doing for this wonderful person to come into your life so you can have someone to share it with. And, yeah. and we look at all those aspects, people who have someone and maybe it's not going well, people who have someone and it's going really well right now, people who are wondering if they're ever going to come along, are they going to die alone? Yeah. Um, people who are married thinking about cheating. Yeah, all, the Someday series delves into all of that. Wow. Now you need to do one with the social media factor. <laughs> you know, mm. I love social media for my clients, but the horrible thing is I do not utilize it the way I should for myself. Why, why do you say that, Jay? I just don't. But I, number one, I don't like being on video. Why not? I just... I, and maybe it's because of the radio background. Something like this, I could do all day. Mm -hmm. But you want me to With sit in camera. front of a, but And then I have to do it myself. You want me to pull it out and, yeah. and just do these little videos for people. And I'm like, nah. Yeah, I get a little intimidated I'm, I'm okay. on the visuals too, though. Like, I think it is something with their radio thing. Like, you're so used to being in your own box, you know. Yeah, nobody cares what your hair looks like right. if your makeup is done. Right. You know, you got a booger in your nose. You yeah. know, when I was doing On Point, I would come up to the station and hair rollers sometimes. Because <laughs> it was on Sunday. Yes. So yes. I would leave my rollers in until it was time either for a because I would start out doing a, a radio shift, mm -hmm. um, and then the show came on at nine. I think I had to be there at six, and the yep. show came on Ooh, at nine. Wow. So, so by the time the guests got there, the rollers were out, and and I was looking cute. Mm -hmm. But before, mm -mm. and if we oh, had man. no guests, I might. It was just me and Jeff, or me and World Famous in the studio. The rollers mm -hmm. might stay in, and I take them in, out right before I went and yep. went to church. But you can do that with radio. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's looking at you. Baby. I mean, it's more it it's. It's more about what you have to say wow. than what you look like. That's true. That's true, Jay. And and just speaking about your many books, you now have eight books, and you've also been featured, um, had featured articles in quite a few top publications. Tell me about that. Ooh, um, quite a few. <laughs> Well, I think I'm at nine now, so I might have left one off in, in my bio. I think okay, I yeah, just released book number nine. Hey. Um, and the publications, I've just been blessed yeah. that people are interested in learning more about me mm -hmm. and, and what I do and the books that I've written. I'd love to sit here and rattle them off. You got a lot. But I have, but my memory is shot. 
Well, let me rattle <laughs> some of them off for you. You've been featured in USA Today, The Undefeated, The Commercial Appeal, The Memphis Business Journal, The New Tri-State Defender, and various others. Everybody right. can't say that, Jay. <laughs> true, true. You got it going thank on, you. Sis. And, you know, I'm especially proud of when I was featured in The Undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a tri- because of a tribute I did to my mother. Oh, wow. My mother passed in 2014. And when I started going through her things, I, she had clothes that she had to wear in her 20s. I mean, the waist on some of those dresses were so tiny, I could barely fit into them. And so I decided, I took out some of my favorite pieces, and as a dedication to her, I decided to do a photo shoot Aww. in her honor. That is um, it it was featured on a website called liliesdaughter.com, and I just found out last week the site is down. Mm. <laughs> I was devastated, um, but it's my fault. not paying attention. And The Undefeated picked up the story. And Undefeated is a subsidiary of ESPN mm-hmm. where they feature, you know, just great things going on with African Americans. Yeah. So they, um, they picked up the story and featured the pictures, and it was just a great experience. It was actually really therapeutic for me. Uh, but and and I just realized that my mother had a whole lot more style mm-hmm. <laughs> than I knew about because as she got older, she stopped going out, yeah. so she wasn't wearing these clothes anymore. And I mean, I have um, a suitcase full of beautiful jewelry that she had and accessories. I mean, I have a, a belt that I can only wear as a necklace now because it's so, it was, I mean, her waist was just so small. Wow. And you're a petite thing yourself. I, I got a little thicker over yeah, the years. Yeah, you have a little thicker nap, <laughs> but you've always been a little petite thing. But that's good that, like, you know, you were able to get some of your mom's things like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like she threw nothing away wow. and it was packed carefully in in plastic wow in the back of her closet mm-hmm. now let me ask you this jay what has been some of the most challenging moments about building your brand you would say one of the top two challenging moments about building your brand hmm people sometimes have an opinion of you before you ever walk in the room Um, When I first started out, I've always looked young for my age. And when I first started out, I did a lot of proving myself to people that in some cases I I maybe should not have had to do. But they were like, look at this baby. Look at this child that just walked in the room. I can remember one um, instance in particular. Trust sent me out on this job. And I could tell there was this lady whose job was to babysit me. No. Yes, it, it 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 I mean they sent me into this room. This man was speaking and they told me to go in there and go over this this man's speech with him. I think he was insulted. Mm-hmm. And I was insulted. Mm-hmm. Um and later on, you know, somebody came to me and they were like they felt they said they felt like you just didn't get it. Um did you ask me? <laughs> right. Uh and maybe sometimes uh early on I didn't speak speak up. As much as I should have, because I've always, uh, I've gotten better at it, but I, I was really shy earlier on. I mean, Ina, if I was the, if I had some of those opportunities now that I had when I was at Clear Channel and iHeart, honey, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I'd be a best-selling author. I, know. I, I would be, but because I was so shy, because you know, I didn't host stuff. 
because I didn't want to be in front of people. And, you know, that's what radio people did for extra money. They went out and hosted all mm-hmm. these gigs and events. I mean, if I could do it over, I would have been hosting everything that I could. I would have learned how to DJ because you have very few de- female DJs back yeah. then. You know, now they're... There are a lot more of us. A lot more. Uh, Well, I can't say us. I don't spin records, but you, you know, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Women DJing a party. But back then, I don't know if you had any. You may have had one. I mean, you and I probably should have gotten together. Look for real (laughs) though. Started a female DJ coalition. I still, I never did. That's something that I never. I, I well, I'm not gonna lie. I tried to learn, but the person that was teaching me would not remain professional. So I said, mm, no, I can't do that. And that that's another thing that lots of times women we have to deal with. Um, I didn't deal with that a whole lot, thankfully. But there are people that just come at you wrong, all sideways, want to mix Ooh. business with pleasure, and and. and and sometimes before the business is done, I'm like, bruh, let's right, get this money. Right. Let's stay focused here. <laughs> yes. We're, we're trying to get a check, and you're trying to go to the hotel. Yeah. I don't think so. Yes. Um. So um, early on, that was probably one of my biggest challenges, just, just proving myself and that I could do the job. Yeah. Wow. And then you, and as you mentioned, as a woman, we have to kind of go far and beyond sometimes because we are women in itself. And and being in radio like we were, it's a male-dominated industry. You're dealing with a lot of men all the time. It, yeah, but you also have to I, – I believe you have to embrace the bitter with the sweet. Because yeah. we're women – Sometimes we walk into the room and all eyes are on us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've you seen an attractive woman come in the room and heads turn. Yeah. Or, or her outfit is just all of that and then some. So now you've got the attention of the men in the room and the women yeah, in the, the room women. because they're admiring her swag. Mm-hmm. But when you open your mouth. Yeah. That's when you you show everybody I'm more than just a pretty face. That's true, Jay. That's uh, true. Or if you got that Coke bottle shape, I'm more than just a nice body. Yeah. I have something to say. I have value. I bring people. I bring things to the table that you yeah. need. Let me help you be a better you. Let me help your company elevate. Hey, hey, hey. I feel everything that you're saying right now. Now, let me ask you this. What has been the best and worst advice you've ever received in your career? Best and worst. Best advice. Um, Just relax. I used to be really serious. Um, And it was really hard for me to just relax and enjoy life and enjoy myself. So when somebody pulled me to the side and was like, Jay, you are so serious, uh, you'd probably attract more people if you just relax, smile, have fun, crack a joke. So that was probably one of the best pieces of advice that I learned. Um, or put more simply, don't take yourself so seriously. When I was in radio, I would beat myself up before the show, during the show, and after the show because I, I wanted to be this. perfect. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes, I, I mean, there are times where I, I remember coming home and crying a couple of times because I felt it went so horribly or I made a mistake. So what? Yeah. You're human. 
you're going to make a mistake. You're not going to be the smartest person in the room all the time. And that's where I learned the value of guests and listeners. Listeners add so much to a show. When you open those phone lines, you don't know who you're talking to. You could be talking to somebody with a PhD. You could be talking whatever topic you're in. They might be in the field, and they're dropping all these nuggets of wisdom on you. I thought I was smart until I started doing talk radio. Mm -hmm. I learned how much I really did not know about anything Mm -hmm. at that moment. Yeah, talk radio gets you there, honey. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, is there any, any other really good juicy pieces of advice? But most of them had to do with me and becoming the person I am today. Those were some of the best pieces of advice that people could give me because I, I, had, a, I had a lot of growing to do and yeah. didn't even realize it because I grew up so sheltered. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did you get any bad advice that you can remember? Like, why did they tell me that? Bad advice. Sometimes we get it along the way. You'd be like, why did I ever listen to that person? Um, I, I can't really think of anything that was that was detrimental yeah. in my life from a piece of advice but I will tell you the worst decisions that I've made in my life um had to do with business finances and cars business finances and cars and I say I mean it it, it all circled around cars I've made some horrible decisions buying cars why Jay um to see by when I should have taken somebody to look at it to make sure that it was um it was worth the money mm-hmm Get, get a car and end up having to put all these dollars into it. And I remember once I did a trade-in. It, uh, it was, re- oh, worst piece of advice. And it was not his fault, so I'm not going to say his name. It was not his fault. But um, a a somebody that did some car sales on the side was trying to help me get another car. I had this Chrysler Sebring. I took it to my mechanic. You know, it was a drop top, so you couldn't mm-hmm. tell me nothing. I had a convertible. And but, but my mechanic told me this car is about to go out. I suggest you get rid of it as soon as possible. Aww. And so a friend of mine referred me to this dealership. And they took it. They took my trade in. I got a brand new Pontiac G5. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yeah, with, with, with the sunroof. <laughs> it was gray. You was cute. Yeah. And it got me out of that car. Um, but the problem was the dealership was about to go out of business. They were having serious, serious financial issues. They did not pay off my trading. Ah, they was full of it. No. Yep. So I ended up, um, they didn't pay off my trading. They made like two payments on it and the business went out of business. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting this call from my lender for that car saying, you still need to pay us a car note. I'm like oh, that. No. I'm paying a car note over here. I can't pay you guys. I'm I'm not doing that. No, and, Jay. yeah. So they end up, but he had in turn already sold the Sebring to another dealership. So the dealership can't get tags because I had the car still basically in my name. So they've already sold the car to somebody, and this person is driving around in it, and they want to no. know why they keep getting uh, more temporary tags, why they can't get a tag. And finally, mm-hmm. it was just like, enough. Mm-hmm. And so we settled on a price. Well, I didn't settle on a price. My, the lender settled on a price, but it was less than what, the, what I owed on the car. Mm. So I still had to pay them. 
Girl. But so it wouldn't go on my credit. I still had to pay off the balance of that car. You learned your lessons about them cars now, huh? Um, I, I mean, I don't even know if I could have avoided that because it was a really a reputable dealership. It wasn't yeah. some little place on the corner at the time. He was like one of the 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 most popular and esteemed uh, African Americans in the car car business. Mm. And uh, yeah, uh, and so you know, mm. it, but got on hard times and lost everything. And wow. That's so unfortunate. But I'm glad you got out of this situation, Jay. Yeah. I, I mean, what ended up happening is I totaled, I totaled the, um, the G5. Totaled it? <laughs> I totaled it. And the adjuster called me. Um, and he said, you're right on the borderline. He said, we could either fix it or total you out. I said, please total me out. Let's get it over with. I, yes, please total like, right me out. Right on time. As a I pastor. said, oh, yeah, I've had nothing but bad <laughs> luck. Thank you. Wow. Look how that worked out. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh. Wow, Jay. Well, let's get into some current events. Okay. Um, actually, I was listening to this interview. Was I listening to it this morning? Um, you know, the rapper Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was doing an interview with The Breakfast Club. And he said something that he learned along the way about watching what you say. He had a uh, rap, and he mentioned something of the sorts like, why would I want Solange when I got Beyonce right here? And he said he'll never forget Beyonce. He met Beyonce for the first time. She put him to the side. I'm like, hey, you can't say anything like that. You know, how, how, you, you need to apologize to my sister because you never know how she feels about that. You know, you really hurt her feelings. And so he said that was the one time that he had to think about, why did I say that? You know, we often say things that we don't think about. So that was like a lesson learned from him, right? Mm-hmm. So has there ever been a time that you had to watch what you wrote? Because you do a lot of writing. Has there ever been a time that you've written anything and maybe has to be like, oh, why did I say that? Or, oh. I don't think I regret anything that I've written, but I'm always careful when it comes to um, people who may feel like they've been marginalized. Mm. You know, in my first book, I um, I talk about um, homosexuality. Uh, just just lightly touch on it. Um, the characters are at a concert because um, I, I deal a lot with uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a rapper who was on stage doing a show um, about um, girl-on-girl action. And I started talking about um, how the girls in the audience started doing some in- things that I felt were inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and actually, I have beta readers, mm-hmm. people who read the book before it goes to publishing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of them, you know, just kind of mentioned, you might want to watch what you say when it comes to homosexuality. Mm. You know, you or somebody else may have their beliefs, but other people have their beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and you should respect that and their decisions to live their life as they see fit. Mm-hmm. And so I did go in and tweak some of the wording, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I, I felt I needed to. Because one thing I've learned in this life is you're no better than anybody else, regardless of what you feel to be right, wrong, um, Christian behavior, non-Christian behavior. Um, As long as you are on this earth, your job is to respect everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I have, I never, whether I agree or disagree with their lifestyle, I never have the right to look down my nose at you. But what I always have a responsibility to do is to treat you with kindness and respect. Mm. So that kind of set it off. Let me tweaky tweak a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Also, now I'm sure you've heard about this. In Barbers Hill ISD outside of Houston, Texas, um, they issued a DeAndre Arnold an in-school suspension citing the length of his dreadlocks. Have you heard about I that? I actually read about that this morning. Oh, my God. So the school is saying that Barbers Hill ISD has a longstanding dress code, but we absolutely allow dreadlocks. What we do not allow is any action that circumvents or violates the provision regarding length. Now, that's where they trying to hold to their little policy. What do you think about this whole ordeal? I mean, aren't we beyond it? Don't people grow their hair for cultural reasons as well? Like, how you going to stop it? Well, that's that? the thing. His are our, our cultural reasons. He's um he has he's Trinidadian. Yeah. And so they I, the article I looked, they actually showed pictures of family members that he has that have dreads that that are that are past their waist. I think they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. And he <laughs> adhered to school policy, and he always pinned his hair up. He never wore his hair down at school. He always made sure that it was above his ears, like, like policy stated. And from my understanding, it was never a problem until a few months before graduation. Right, right. Why, about why is it a problem now? That's the part that, that I wonder about, that yeah. I question. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we need to be, in so many instances, a little bit more cultural um, and, uh, well, cult culturally sensitive. Yeah. Because I see a lawsuit, personally. A big one. I mean, because, you know, your heritage is right up there with religion. Mm-hmm. So how how can you deny a young man when he has proof? This isn't just something that he did for fashion. Right. He has proof that it is part of his culture, and that is a part of his culture that he has decided to embrace. But what I fear is if the lawsuit takes place, they'll tie it up until after he graduates, mm -hmm. and he still won't get to graduate, even if he wins. They better now, that's what I fear. Graduate and wear them dreads. And I mean, to me, it's so petty. They say he's a model student, gets good grades. Now that's... Why, I mean, hasn't been in any trouble. Why are you punishing him? Does an him? administrator have a vendetta against this young man? I don't, I don't know. I have I no idea. When I heard you about know, that. I, maybe they're just trying to prevent other students for doing, from doing that in the future by making an example out of him. But, yeah, to me, you're picking the wrong battle. Wow. That could get very ugly for them. Yeah. Um, I know somebody um, on Facebook posted the number to the school. Um, yeah, and told and told everybody to call. Wow, uh, I'm sure they're not answering the phones I'm sure right now. Not. I'm sure they're not. But hopefully, I hope they let DeAndre graduate. We gonna follow this story very closely. Mm -hmm. Now, Jay, what are you reading these days? These days, I am reading. Um, I am reading a lot of books around uh, marketing, okay, and self promotion mm -hmm. uh, for myself as well as for my clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, more PR research books. Uh, so a lot of what I'm doing is is more technical and educational reading okay. rather than for um, entertainment. 
Gotcha, gotcha. That's always good to sharpen those skills. Though. Most definitely. And and this is a field where things are always changing. Definitely. So you need to try to find a way to set yourself apart from everybody else. And I just want to be of value yeah. to the people that trust me. Um, if someone trusts me with their business, uh, with their products, with their nonprofits, I, I really want to make sure that they are getting the exposure that they not only need, but deserve because I'm not going to take a client that I can't believe in. Mm -hmm. So if I believe in you, I'm going to do my best to help you be successful. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to tell someone, no, I can't take you as a client? Well, there are certain clients that I don't do anymore. Um, I used to do entertainers. I don't do entertainers anymore. The one that I accepted, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, rapper Robin X. Sounds familiar. Yes. Um, he, he's amazing young man but he also has an anti-bullying platform okay and he's an albino and he was bullied quite a bit as he was young when he was younger to the point where he had to be homeschooled and actually rap became his outlet rap actually saved him because he had contemplated taking his own life um and his mother realized that he enjoyed rapping and helped him channel all that energy. Well, lo and behold, he's pretty good at it. He, he's darn good at it. And and because of the stuff that he's done outside of his music, he's been asked to travel overseas and speak. He's spoken before the UN. Um, he's spoken in Geneva, Switzerland, Cologne, Germany. And because of that anti-bullying platform that he had, um, I took him on as a client. So I, I don't do entertainers anymore. Now, wh why did you stop doing entertainers? It's... It's a lot of work, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them, um, just being honest, don't really have the budget um, for the type of exposure that they would need. I yes. mean, a newbie, um, yeah. newbies are a lot of work. You're trying to, I mean, you know how many artists there are out there, mm -hmm. how many genre of music, of music there is, and to get a publication or a TV show or whatever to pay attention to somebody they've never heard of. Yeah, they take a lot of money. It's it's a lot of groundwork in the very in the beginning. Get you out in, there. in hopes that they'll take off. Yeah, and get the exposure that they need. Yeah, you know we got a lot of artists here in the city. Of There's a lot of talent here. A lot of great very artists. So. I'm just not the publicist. Look, don't for you. call her for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, what can they call you for? What specialties do you have, Jay? I specialize in small businesses and nonprofits. Call her yeah. if you a small business or a nonprofit. I also do. Uh, Marketing materials like resumes, bios, I write website content, brochure content, things like that. Because that's why it's called Put It In Writing Professional Writing Service and PR. Because I started out doing those a la carte services because a lot of people can't afford the big, the big agencies. Yeah. I mean, they could charge you a couple of hundred dollars for writing a press release. Um, so I would offer those things individually. I mean, if you just need a press release, I can just write you a press release. If you just want a bio, you need your resume tweaked. So that's how I got started. Mm -hmm. Wow. So where is Jay Henderson going in the future from what you see? In the future, I am actually um, probably in the near future, I'll be rebranding. Okay. Put it in writing. Um, I want to expand and do a little bit more. Um, I've kept it small because I wanted it some it to be something that I could um, manage easily. But it's it's about time to grow and, and branch out some more. Okay. Well, I can see you definitely growing your brand. You are so smart. 
I mean, you have done it all. And I'm so proud of you, Jay. And I'm so Thank glad you, you came today. I'm verbally affected. It's my pleasure. I've had a good time. This has really been a trip down memory lane. I know, right? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jay Henderson, president of Put It In Writing Professional Writing Service and PR, look nonprofits and small businesses. Call my girl, Jay Henderson, if you need any help. Thank you so much, Jay. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm.